Welcome to Spotlight Montana. My guest today, Missoula writer, musician Edna Terrio, also known as Bob Wire, and he's here to share with us some ghost stories and to talk about his new book, Haunted Montana, Ghosts and Strange Phenomena of the Treasure State. Edna, let's go ahead and just dive into the book. I've really enjoyed reading this Haunted Montana, a fascinating collection of stories all across Montana. So first, what inspired you to do this? Well, I wish it was some uh, exciting romantic story, but uh, I was asked by my editor if I was interested in doing this. Uh, and for uh, for writers who struggle to uh, come up with book contracts, that's a little ridiculous to be approached by the publisher because it, it is a series. Every state has a version of their haunted stories. And they said it was time for the Missoula or the I'm sorry, the Montana version. And I said, that sounds like a lot of fun. And it's especially what intrigued me. It was collecting and uh, retelling the stories. So there's not any uh, paranormal searching or any of that uh, kind of high tech, you know, ghost hunting stuff. I wasn't involved in any of that, just really relating the stories. Okay. And it's something it sounds like that you're fascinated with as well, a subject. I, be, I I wouldn't consider myself a big ghost story guy before this project, but uh, now I I have become really interested in the subject. Uh, not so much, again, uh, ghost hunting, but hearing people's stories. And it was easy to come up with stories because if, if everybody I talked to hadn't had a direct encounter, they knew somebody who did. So they could, and it doesn't matter where you live in Montana, Everybody seemed to be close to a ghost story, had a ghost story. So I love just hearing all the different stories and the different details. And uh, uh, the one, probably the one common thing to every story was, you know, if I got to speak with the first person, um, the, the one common thing they would say was, well, I, I know what I saw. Hmm. There's, they have no doubt in their mind then. Yeah, whether or not they think people will believe them is is a different deal. A lot of people just really do not want to share these stories because they think they might seem be seen as uh, crackpots or or fanciful, whatever. Has this book changed you? Are you more of a believer now? I've always been kind of a healthy healthy skeptic. I I, I like the uh, the idea that it's impossible to prove that something does not exist. So uh, to, to think that some, this, there may be some realm that we just don't have the capability of understanding, I think that's probably closest to the truth uh, after talking to all these people who just are convinced about what they saw. And I had a couple of experiences myself during the research that had me wondering, you know, if this, I mean, even if I can't explain it or don't know the answer, it doesn't mean it's not happening. So share share what happened, your experience. Okay, well, this the, something happened in my own house, but you have to promise me that uh, you won't let my wife hear about this or I'll have to move. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> okay, I, I, uh, I have a, a studio that I've built in the basement for music, and it's where I do a lot of my work, writing and uh, whatnot. And it's, it's a good size and, and has a, a big window that we can see out onto the valley. And a guest room off to the side and the bathroom. So, you know, people can stay there and have like the run of the whole downstairs it's, as a separate place. And there was a story when we moved into this house in 2002, 
that a woman had died down there. And I didn't, I just heard this like third hand and never really pressed it. And uh, we had to do some radon mitigation because the, the levels were pretty high in the basement, but now, now it's fine. Uh, about, I want to say about a year ago, my daughter who was visiting here from college in Olympia, uh, she was a night owl. So she typically stayed up till five, six in the morning and then would, would go to bed. Uh, one one night I was uh, awakened at about 4 a.m. by one of our garage doors opening. And then a few seconds later, the garage door closed. And this is, it's, you know, never happened before. And then I, I just thought maybe one of the kids has come in. I don't know. I got a couple of, you know, young adult children and didn't think any more about it. The next afternoon i was talking to my daughter and i said hey did you hear the garage door open last night and she said yeah and did you hear your music playing i said what <laughs> she says well the garage door opened she was also upstairs where where i am she said the garage door opened and then i heard some of your music coming from the basement from your computer and it has pretty big monitor speakers and she said it was loud and clear it was something you had recorded that that i hadn't listened to but I knew it was you. And then it stopped and then the garage door closed. Mm. And I told her, you know, I don't know what happened, but we can't tell your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of still, you know, she and I share that little secret about what happened here. And I, you know, I try to explain, figure out, is there some electronic glitch that happened or, uh, you know, it's a remote control garage opener. Did a uh, passing radio wave open it up? I don't know. But then to have a, I don't know, I just, I don't have any feasible explanation at all. So I, we just kind of have to let, we have to wonder, you know, you're left to wonder and that's okay. Sounds, sounds like a ghost who really appreciates good music, your music, <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks for saying that. <laughs> yeah. In fact, while we're on that, I, I know you also go by the name of Bob Wire and that's um, your mu musician side. Right, right. Yeah. And um, very popular music and uh, uh, you entertain lots and lots of folks. So, well, getting, yeah. Well, getting back to the book, some of the stories that really stood out for me, three stories, in fact, and, and I've, I've, I lived in Butte for 17 years and the spookiest story is about the haunted house in Butte. Uh, I, I thought I've, you know, I thought I'd heard all the stories in Butte, but the stories keep coming from there, but this one's pretty darn scary. What happened there? How did you come across that story? So this is the series of families that lived in the same house and they all had similar encounters mm -hmm. there. And, and yeah, this, this house was uh, very near the Berkeley pit, just down the slope. It's not there anymore. And Park the way street. I found out about it was, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, Park street. The, I think Park it's street. That's East right. Park street. Yes. Um, how did I find out about this? I was, uh, I spent a lot of time in the, uh, uh, research center at the Montana Historical Museum. And I may have run across this in their archives. Mm. And I also dig heavily through newspapers.com and uh, look at old, you know, papers from the early 20th century about Montana. And uh, I believe I did find hard copies of uh, photocopies of the original news stories from, I think it was the 1930s in Butte about this house. And I was just struck by the reporter's writing style. It, number one, it was hilarious. 
Number two, it was so shockingly insulting. Like, it's not like these stories came from a, a woman or someone else who is frail and shares gossip. These were hard-nosed mining men that were scared out of their wits. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, the 30s, things, things have changed a bit since then. But uh, that was one of the stories that I had never heard from anybody in Butte or anywhere else because it has kind of gotten lost in, in uh, the midst of history. And I was specifically looking for the whole book for stories that have not been told. A few, that, a few of these are, are fairly well known, and I've tried to recast them in a different light, but uh, I didn't go to uh, places that were supposedly haunted or very famous haunted this or that initially, because I really wanted to get firsthand stories and I got a lot of that, that you're not going to find published elsewhere. And that was the most fun. Yeah. For me. Well, and I know I don't want to give away too much of your book, but uh, that haunted house, it also has something to do with a crying baby. So readers will have to find out more by reading oh. your book. Yeah. And the, you don't want to be alone when you read that one. No, no. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been crossing and turning the last couple of nights for sure. Uh, one that I found really fascinating is um, is about a, a lake I had never heard of. It's in the far northeast corner of Montana, Brush Lake. This sounds really fascinating. What's happening there? Some strange phenomena, unexplained happenings, and also some ghostly encounters. How did you come across this one? I think probably the same thing. Just going uh, researching different regions of the state and using certain keywords. And coming up with uh, an old news article about this. Uh, the Brush Lake one, I think, may have already been written about by Ellen Baumler, who she was my biggest obstacle to finding new stories because she has written about everything. She is kind yeah. of my idol when it comes to writing about Montana. And she's such a great writer and so thoroughly entrenched in history that uh, I learned from her the style of this book is to lay down the history of what happened and then tell the story and let kind of leave it up to the reader to decide, well, what's going on here? You know, mm -hmm. but the, the brush Lake, I, I had never heard of that from anyone else. And I'm pretty sure it was Ellen that wrote about it. It's a, a little known state park. I think there are only maybe one or two state parks in that entire region of Montana. And this is one of them. And it's a, a really beautiful, Clearwater Lake, um, oh, I can't think of the nearest town, but it was turned into a state park in the early 20th century. And uh, apparently the water is just clear as gin and it's, yeah. it's pretty cold, but not too cold for swimming. And that's where the trouble starts. Ooh. And it's, uh, you know, kids taking chances, uh, things like that. But it, uh, the, the deaths kind of started to pile up in this lake and it couldn't have seen that much traffic being where it is. So uh, it was really kind of curious. And I, I, I have written another book called Myths and Legends of Yellowstone. And Yellowstone Lake uh, started to have a lot of things in common with Brush Lake in that I believe some something like 41, 42 people have drowned in Yellowstone Lake. And many of the bodies were never recovered. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people take, take that to mean, well, the, the lake doesn't give up her secrets or things like this. But I, I look for the biological answer to that. And if the water is super cold, as with Yellowstone Lake, uh, the bodies don't decompose as quick and they will sink and just never be found. Um, Brush Lake really does have its own story. And it's so, 
so tragic and and so weird to me how how the the hauntings if that's what they are how they manifest themselves and the stories told by the witnesses up there that have been affected are are pretty chilling yeah and even recent ones with uh, apparently some construction workers and what they right. were hearing and it lasted for a long time so again um listeners will have to to read the rest of that story in your book <laughs> And then the popular trail, the other one that I found interesting was this popular trail, hiking trail in Bozeman, that there are reports that it's haunted. Yes, of all places to be haunted. Uh, a trail, people, yeah. Yeah, a trail out in the woods. People encounter uh, some strange things and voices and uh, floating mist that, that leads them up the trail and all this stuff that uh, I, I suppose you could explain most of it away, but it's a little more fun to, to kind of let your imagination run. And, and a lot of people have reported the same thing, and people who don't know each other. And that's when it really gets kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And that one was fun to research. I talked with a woman who uh, heads up a paranormal group in Bozeman, and she had a lot to say about it. And she had had encounters and uh, some of her team members had had encounters. And uh, one of her team members was up there way up the trail where uh, they reportedly some people had seen an apparition, an apparition, excuse me. Others had heard voices. And when this guy on her team got into a certain place, his uh, cell phone quit working. Oh, and normally people have no they no problem with coverage up there. But when he got into that zone, uh, he his cell phone quit working, had no signal. And then uh, I believe what happened was another member of the team, their phone rang with a call from this guy's phone. And yet he wasn't calling anybody and he had no signal. So things were getting hinky with the uh, the radio waves and who knows what. So uh, there's, again, there was no handy explanation for why that would happen, but they, the investigations, are ongoing on that part of the trail is Bear Canyon, I think. Oh, I find that fascinating. Um, So where can our our listeners get your book? Well, as with all my books, you can can pick one up at the local stores like Fact and Fiction and uh, Shakespeare and Company carries them. Um, I think Book Exchange has several titles. I don't know if they have the new one, the uh, Haunted Montana. Uh, You can get it on Amazon, of course. Uh, Barnes & Noble carries a lot of them. So you mentioned one of the other books that you, um, Yellowstone, the myths of Yellowstone. Uh, tell me about, you have some other books out there as well, right? Montana Curiosities, which was my first book. And I've got two editions of that out. And that's little bite-sized uh, chapters of all kinds of Montana roadside attractions and weird events and crazy people and strange history and uh that, uh, that book, which came out in 2009, planted the seed for my first hardback, which is called Seven Montanas. And that one came out about a year ago. And that was uh, more of an in-depth profile of the, the six different tourist regions of the state, Russell Country, Glacier Country, and so on. And I had told my editor, I pitched this idea. I said, we can't call it Six Montanas, though we have to call it Seven Montanas because it's so much cooler. She said, yeah, that is a better number. So you have to come up with a seventh one. And I did. But uh, that is uh, really, there are over 100 black and white photos that were taken by several uh, pro photographer friends of mine from throughout the state. And it really is a great visual story of Montana. 
And I traveled around the state quite a bit and talked to a lot of people about what's going on in your part of the state that people in the other part of the state should know, you know, that uh, people say up in uh, Haver or uh, Sydney may not know that the Mealtown Dam was removed from the Clark Fork, mm. uh, you know, probably just in time to save Missoula from being inundated with toxic waste. That's, that's a pretty huge story. Uh, by the same token, most people in Missoula or maybe the Flathead don't know that uh, the uh, there was a dam on the Yellowstone River, a weir near Sydney that was uh, almost taken out because of a lawsuit that the uh, uh, the pallid uh, sturgeon was about to go extinct. They were down to 90 individual fish because they couldn't get beyond the dam to spawn. So the, uh, the Sierra, Sierra Club and some Montana environmental groups sued to have the dam taken out. And there are six other irrigation dams on the Yellowstone. So it's not the longest undammed river in the country like it's as it's billed. But they, uh, this, the town, the area would have been wiped out if they lost their irrigation and it would have reverted to the Badlands with a few years. Thousands of families, just their way of life is gone. Fortunately, they won the lawsuit and were able to keep the dam by digging a channel around it for the fish to use the channel to go upstream to spawn. It was that simple. And it was such a dramatic story. Uh, went on for years, dragging through the courts, and I had never heard about this. So uh, that became kind of the, the uh, overarching theme of Seven Montanas was to share all these uh, really important stories from around the state so we all get a better idea of Montana as a collective rather than our little corner. So uh, I just hope that more people would, would be inspired to travel around and see for themselves. Well, just, I know with the pandemic, I'm, we're taking a, a lot more road trips and I want to read yeah. that book because we're looking for some new ideas on that. But okay. finally, our, 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 um, tell me um, quickly what your next project is. Well, I've got a couple of things I uh, am kind of trying to mold into shape so we can get the project underway. One is uh, a travel guide called Double Dip. And this is gonna be uh, centered on people, or rather targeting people who want to enjoy Glacier and Yellowstone in the same visit. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna lay out, here's, here's all these different itineraries you can have. Here's all this great swath of Montana in between those two parks. So there'll be kind of a bare bones thing about both parks, but largely about what not to miss on your way there between the parks. And then uh, a second project uh, I'm working up is uh, an oral history of the state. I'd like to travel around and talk to people who are in uh, retirement villages and assisted living facilities and seasoned Montana residents who can tell me, I've heard so many great stories while I've been out there about the early days of Montana that were not covered by, by the press or not passed down as uh, well-known tales. These are, these are like the families that actually built the state up and all their individual stories and uh, all these, I think would make for a great read, just kind of a, a history of Montana that's really kind of in the shadows. So that's that's a project I'm looking forward to diving into. And I'm looking forward to reading those. That wraps up this podcast. Thank you so much, Edner. Some more reading on the way. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your stories and telling us about Haunted Montana. Oh, it's my pleasure, Laurel. Thanks for having me.